Wasn't that beautiful? Thank you to Sarah. Thank you to Dr. Hurd. Thank you to the choir. Thank you to all of you who have come out in the rain. Who would have thought that a church in Redondo Beach would be a good place to shelter from heavy rain? Um, But thank you very much. Thank you to everybody who's braved the rain and come out. And thank you, I guess, or welcome to all those of you who are live streaming this in your pajamas from from the warmth of your home this morning. We know who you are. (laughs) Right, as as David said, uh, we're continuing in the series about the hands of Jesus. And today we're looking at his healing hands. So I'd like to read a few verses from Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, and beginning to read at verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand And the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity to gather in your house around your word. 
And we ask, Lord, as we always do, that your Holy Spirit will be with us this morning to open our minds that we might understand your word, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, might minister to each one of us through your word this morning. In your precious name, amen. So then, today, healing hands. And as you read through these passages, there are so many instances of Jesus laying his hands on people and healing them. In this passage, we have the man with leprosy who came and knelt before Jesus. And we read there in chapter 8, in verse 3, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man when he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Later in the passage that we read, it says he touched her hand and the fever left her. And there are many, many verses in the Gospels that speak of Jesus healing and of him healing by laying his hands on the person who was healed. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 40, it says, At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, As Jesus went out from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. And lastly, in Mark chapter 6 and verse 5, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, before we get into the detail of this, let's just deal with the anomaly that we read in Matthew chapter 8. Because at the beginning of Matthew chapter 8, we have him laying his hands on the man with leprosy. In verse 16, at the end of the passage we read, we have him touching the hand of Peter's mother-in-law. But in the middle section, we have this extraordinary tale of the centurion who came to Jesus and said, my servant is sick, can you heal him? And Jesus didn't lay his hands on the servant. That's an, an anomaly in terms of what we're talking about today, and I just want to briefly explain why. Two reasons. Number one, the servant wasn't there. So the servant who was sick wasn't physically present for Jesus to lay his hands on him. The second thing is that I believe, and I have strong support for this from the words of Jesus himself, that it would be very difficult to find a person who demonstrated a greater faith in the entire Bible than this centurion. Because the centurion comes to Jesus and said, my servant is sick. And Jesus actually says to him, do you want me to come and heal him? So Jesus himself must have envisaged that he would have traveled with the centurion to the centurion's house and he would have laid hands on the servant. But the centurion says, I don't deserve to have you come to my house. But I understand command and authority. 
Because I'm a military man, I'm a centurion in the Roman army. So I have people above me who give me instructions that I execute, and I have soldiers underneath me, and if I tell them to do something, they do it. So this centurion understood authority, and he recognized divine authority in Christ. And he said, I don't need you to come to my house, I just need you to say the word, and I know that my servant will be healed. Simply extraordinary faith that that centurion exhibited. But in most of these other cases, you'll see that Jesus laid his hands on the person who needed to be healed. And so the whole purpose, really, of looking at a passage like this, the whole purpose of preaching is to look at a, look at a passage And not just look at it as a story, but look at it and see, is there anything in this that we can extract to use for ourselves in our day-to-day lives as we make our way through the world as Christians? And so that's what I want to do briefly this morning. I want to look at, is there anything we can learn from the way Jesus laid hands on sick people that we can apply to our relationship with Christ? Because I think there are characteristics that we can see in the way Jesus laid hands on people to heal. There are characteristics in what he did that we can take and we can apply to our relationship with Christ on a day-to-day basis. And as we go through them, one by one, briefly, I want you, as we look at each one, So if you like, scan your relationship with Jesus yourself in your day-to-day life and say, is that characteristic present in my day-to-day walk with Christ? So, a few characteristics of the way in which Jesus laid his hands on people. There are eight of them. But don't worry, we're going to do four, then break for lunch, Then we'll come back. Anybody who doesn't know me is panicking right now. Anybody who does know me ignored that completely. So, very swiftly, eight eight things that strike us when we look at Jesus laying his hands on people to heal. The first is, and it seems obvious, Jesus fixes broken people. He mends broken people. He fixes things that are broken. It was not his primary purpose for being born and coming to earth. That primary purpose was to offer himself as a sacrifice for men and women so that if you accepted Christ, you could heal the rift between us and God and achieve salvation. But as you see when you read through the Gospels, whenever he encountered someone who was broken, he fixed them. And so that's the first thing we need to Gauge, if you like, and see if that's present in our relationship with God. If there's anybody here this morning who who feels broken, or anybody this morning who is physically sick, or anybody who is worried or concerned about something, anybody here this morning who has something in their lives that is broken or is not right or is not working the way that it should, your job, your relationship, your finances, whatever it might be, Jesus fixes broken people. 
So if you have a relationship with Christ and there's something broken in your life and you're not taking it to him and asking him to fix it, you're making a big mistake. He fixes broken people. The second thing is this. In all of the times that he healed people, he did not make any charge. This leper who approached Christ for healing was not required to show proof of insurance. <laughs> Mary's, not Mary, Peter's mother-in-law, who was sick with a fever, didn't have to be concerned about her deductible. The healing was given freely. It was given freely. And just for a second, that's something we need to just think about, because in this world, things don't often come free. There's a cynicism in this world, you know? No such thing as a free lunch. Well, in Christ, there is free, no strings attached, healing. There's a free human repair shop, if you like. That anything in any aspect of your life that needs fixing today, rather than struggling with it yourself, you bring it to him. Because he fixes it and it costs you nothing. That's the thing about Christianity. It's not about men doing what they can to reach God. It's about God loving man and reaching down to man. It's free. He fixes broken people. He makes no charge. The third thing is there's no qualification required. Jesus didn't ask the leper to give him his story, to explain who he is, where he's come from, where he lived, what he'd done in his work. He didn't ask if there were any things in his background that might disqualify him from being healed. He didn't have to justify himself. He didn't need to do a presentation. He didn't need to pitch Jesus. He didn't need to come up with a PowerPoint that said, here are five reasons why I think I need to be healed. This was no American idol of healing. He simply was there and Jesus was there and the only qualification he had was that he needed healing. The only qualification he had was that he needed to be fixed. And that's actually what God desires of all of us. There are a number of times in the Bible when we read that God becomes angry when, when his people try and fix things themselves. He wants us to come to him with that sense of helplessness. That's the only qualification. An absence of pride and a sense of need and a realization and an understanding that it's only Jesus who can fix it. He fixes broken people. He made no charge for the healing. No qualification was required. Fourthly, he healed with authority. He laid his hands on the sick person and they were healed. Any men here this morning who are in the men's Wednesday Bible study will roll their eyes at 
the mention of Matthew Henry, the famous 17th century <coughs> biblical scholar who I do tend to mention from time to time. He said, in, in, in connection with this, he said, Jesus laid his hands on the people. He didn't lift his hands up and ask for power. He had the power. He had the authority. And the act of putting his hands on the person healed them in a moment. And he has the authority and the power to fix whatever might be wrong in your life this morning. Whatever it is. There is no situation or circumstance that is too difficult for him. He fixes and he heals and he does it with authority. Five. When he laid hands on people, the act of laying hands on the sick person, effectively, it focused and directed his divine energy towards that person. Certainly when the leper was healed, there were crowds of people around. But when Jesus touched him, there was no doubt about who he was touching, about who he was focused on, about who he was healing. It's as if nobody else existed. If I lay hands on Phil here in the front row, it's him I'm laying hands on. It's not anybody else. It's a personal focus and direction of, of Christ's divine power. And that's the remarkable thing about salvation and about Christianity. It's about God ignoring everybody else around us and focusing directly on us and saying, I love you, I care for you, I know what your situation is, I know what your circumstances are, and I will focus my divine energy on fixing that and put, giving you a plan for your life which will allow you to live a life of victory and blessing. You're not one person in a crowd. Number six, if anybody's counting. His hands symbolized personal identification with the sickness. You see, when the leper came, <clears throat> we read there were crowds of people, and the leper came and he knelt before Christ. Well, he'd probably already broken a lot of laws because in Christ, in the time that Christ lived on this earth, leprosy was considered to be highly contagious. And somebody with leprosy couldn't come into the town. They had to live outside the town in a camp, and they were unclean. But this leper <clears throat> took a risk, and he came and he knelt down in front of Christ. And people would have been shocked and anybody else would have recoiled back away from that leper because of the fear of contracting the disease. What did Jesus do? He reached out and he touched the leper. Now in that moment, Jesus identified with the leprosy. Because to anybody who witnessed that, if the healing had not been affected, if the healing had not been effective, Jesus himself would have contracted the leprosy. So for anybody watching, 
This was a remarkable thing that Jesus did. Jesus said, I see your problem. I see your situation. I see your need. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to touch your hand. And I'm going to identify 100% with your problem. Your problem today in that moment becomes my problem. And we're going to fix it together. Number seven and eight. Touching, the act of touching, meant movement from Jesus. He reached out. He touched her hand. He laid hands on people. In every one of these situations, Christ moved towards the sick person. If there's anybody here this morning who does not yet know Christ... Or if there's anybody here this morning who is sick. Or if there's anybody here this morning who is struggling with something in their life that is broken and needs fixing. Then right now, by virtue of the fact that you are physically in this building at this moment, right now, Jesus is reaching towards you. The last aspect is possibly the most critical because touching to touch the person who needed healing required movement on that person's part as well they had to have come close enough for Jesus to touch them the exception as we saw was the servant of the centurion. But that was the faith of the centurion. That was remarkable. But in every other situation, the the, the, the blind blind men came, asked for healing. Jesus said to most of them, what do you want me to do? He even said it to the centurion, do you want me to come and heal? He said to the blind men, what do you need from me? It was obvious what they needed. They were blind. But he wanted them to voice it. He wanted them to voice their need and their understanding that he could fix it. And that's the eighth characteristic, that the people were close enough to hear and they were willing to accept the gift that Jesus wanted to give them. That's it. To summarize, that that eighth one is summarized, if you like, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. And then we're going to finish. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's Jesus moving towards you. But if it stops there, nothing else happens. The verse continues, if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, then I will come in and dine with them. And so for anybody who needs fixing this morning, Jesus is knocking at your door. But he needs you to open that door And he needs you to invite him into your life. And he needs you to give to him the challenge you have this morning. And he will fix it. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. And for all that it contains for us. Lord, we can't begin to understand why you would love us the way you do. But we say, hallelujah. What a saviour. We thank you, Lord, for there's so many instances of you 
reaching out and healing people. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anybody here this morning who needs healing, who needs fixing, who needs something in their life putting right, Lord, that they will make that move towards you and accept the gift you want to give to them this morning. In your most precious and worthy name. Amen.